God, you are beyond kind to us. You are beyond good to us. And we do not deserve it in any capacity. And I pray, God, that this morning, uh, You, through Your Holy Spirit, would lead our hearts, guide our minds, and guide our ears. That God, nothing for us would be a distraction from Your Holy Word. We desperately need it to transform us. Uh, do not thank God by any mistake that You would have laid on my heart months ago to teach on this passage about peace. Maybe more for me than anyone else in the room this morning. And so lead us, God, and guide us. And we give You all the glory and all the praise and all the honor and ask that You continue to pour out Your kindness to us. For You are a good God. And we pray this in Christ's mighty and famous name. Amen. I want to start our season here in Advent. The word Advent comes from the Latin word eventus, which means the coming of or the anticipation of. That we anticipate something that is going to happen. And so often, I think we come to Advent and we forget what God is doing. And what God has done. And we have this anticipation about what's going to come. And so we place our hope and our faith in Christ and then we have this anticipation about what is to come. And so what I want to do this Advent season is to talk about what we have currently. If you're a believer here, you've been given the greatest gift that's ever been given to you. More than your spouse, more than your children, more than your house, more than your job. If you are a believer, you have been given what the Apostle Paul says, the gift of salvation. And the gift of salvation is simply this. We do not deserve that gift in any capacity. We did not earn it. And we cannot keep it. It's secure in Him and Him alone who gave it to us. And so I want to look this morning, and I want to look over the next several weeks, these five things. It's what these five candles represent at Advent. But I don't want to look at them to what is to come. I want everyone to leave this place this morning and the next five sermons with it in your hand. You have this. These are promises of God. They aren't something that are to come. You have obtained these in the moment of your salvation. They're past actions that you now have. This morning we'll look at peace. Next week we'll look at hope. The following week we'll look at joy. We'll look at love on the last Sunday before Christmas, and finally on Christmas Eve service, that Tuesday night, we'll look at Jesus Himself. And so this morning, I want to look at peace. Most of us can remember, I cannot, I was not born yet, but you can remember what happened on November 1st, 1955. That was the start of the Vietnam War. Every one of us that was born around this time, not me, not included, November 22nd, 1963. That was the assassination of President Kennedy. 
maybe more familiar now is August 2nd, 1990, the first Gulf War. But I'm sure if I came around the room and just about everyone in the room would remember September 11th, 2001. I remember exactly where I was. I remember getting in my Honda Accord, getting ready for school, leaving my house and turning on the radio station uh, to the Christian radio station and hearing those tragic words that a plane had just hit the Twin Towers. And I remember listening to that radio station and the, the anxiety that was going on in my life and in my heart at that moment. I remember walking into the student center at school and seeing the next plane hit the next tower. And maybe you can remember exactly where you were and you can remember that moment of the turmoil that happened in your heart. In the days that came. The uncertainty that came. Every time the news came on or that radio station came on, that anxiety that would be provoked in you. Here's the saddest part for us. The United States has always experienced conflict. We either are coming out of conflict, heading into conflict, or in the middle of conflict. But here's what's true for you personally, as is for me personally. That's true for me. I'm either in the moment of conflict, I'm either heading into it, or I'm just coming out of it. And what we all desire, if we're honest, more than any other gift, if we were to take a poll, what we really desire is peace. Like just those moments of peace, like, whew, right? Just that deep breath of like, okay, just peace. And so we long for that peace, and yet there's something in all of us that knows that peace is short-lived. And so for us this morning, I, I want to look at another kind of peace. It's all of us in this room have experienced. It's that lack of peace when it comes to our spiritual lives. All of us in this room experience conflict spiritually. So we must look at the conflict that we first experience. Where does that conflict come from? Where does that lack of peace come come from we see here in Romans chapter 5 as Jared read to us we'll read it again therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God therefore the through the Lord Jesus Christ through him we also obtain access by faith into his grace which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God so we say this we read that passage that says we now have peace with God so if we now have peace with God, what does that mean? We didn't have peace with God before. So where did that lack of peace with God come from before? If now all of a sudden in Romans chapter 5, Paul tells us, the great apostle tells us, hey, there was something that you didn't have before, but now you have peace. So you have to decide, I have to decide, when was I in conflict with God? Because this is what's true. All of us in the room before our salvation were in conflict with God. You were born in conflict with God. This is what the Apostle says in Romans chapter 5, 8. Just a few verses. We'll get to them in a couple weeks. But he says this. But God showed His love for us while we were what? Sinners. 
Christ died for us. In verse 10 of this chapter, he says this. Why we were what? Yet enemies of God. So we are enemies of God. We are sinners against God. Therefore, we're in conflict with God. We have no desire, the apostle tells us, to pursue God. There's nothing in us prior to our salvation that wants to come into relationship with God. We are at conflict with God. That's true for everyone in this room. Maybe it's still true for you today. If you're not saved, you in this very moment are in conflict with God. You're an enemy of God. How do we know we're an enemy with God? Because we do not do the things God calls us to do. We have no bent to do those things. We've been talking about it in our Genesis series. In Genesis, that moment in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve fell, they from that moment on had been in conflict with God. And that's true for us. Our sin puts us in conflict with God. Not only that, and here's maybe the more tragic side of it, Not only are we in conflict with God, but this is true. God is in conflict with us. It says this, the Apostle Paul says this. This is what the Apostle Paul writes extensively about. That the wrath of God is on us. Why would there be wrath of God? Because there's conflict. Because we have sinned against the Holy God. Because we sinned against the Holy God. There has to be conflict on both ends. And so we see the Apostle Paul is saying to us, there is a conflict that's true in all of us in the room. We're at odds with God, and God's at odds with us. Now, if we just sit and ponder that for a moment, like God is at odds with us because our sinfulness. And we are at odds with God because of our sinfulness and yet I wonder how often we sit at Christmas and ponder the great conflict that we were once in that ought to stir something in us that this holy God was going to and is going to send his wrath on people because of the conflict they have with him thank God that the apostle Paul doesn't stop at Romans chapter 1. Thank, thank God he didn't start, stop at Romans chapter 5 verse 2. And thank God he wrote extensively that he, he says this, that we have peace with God. But how do we have peace with God? That's the question we have to ask. And the question you have to ask this morning is, do you have peace with God? Because that's the resolution. The peace with God. Catch that one little word. The resolution is peace with God. All of us can say we've experienced the peace of God. But that's not what the Apostle Paul says in this passage, does it? It says, through him we have obtained access into his grace. And then it says in verse 1, we have what? We have peace with God. So how do we get that peace with God? It doesn't say, therefore, since you have done what is right, you have peace with God. It doesn't say, therefore, since you decided to follow God, you had peace with God. It doesn't say any of that. It says, you have peace with God because of what? Your justification before God. 
So we were in conflict with God and his great wisdom, his great sovereignty, his great love for us sent us the greatest gift he could ever give to mankind. Now think about that. When's the last time you gave your most hated enemy a gift? Like he gave us the greatest gift ever. And I don't even want to give some gifts to people that drive on 24. Like I don't even want to do that. But God, when we were at conflict with him, deciding his goodness towards us, that he would give us the greatest gift ever, his son Jesus Christ. That he would be the one to solve the conflict. That he would be what Jesus is called. He would become our peace agent, or what Isaiah chapter 9, 6 says, he'd become what? The Prince of Peace. And you ever wonder why God labeled his son the Prince of Peace? Because God knew there was conflict that he'd have to intervene to bring peace because man was never going to be bring peace to God. God had to bring peace to us. You ever heard, wonder why he says we'll name him Emmanuel, God with us, peace with us? Because God knew in his goodness to us He wanted to bring peace to us. And so, therefore, because of what Christ did for us, we not only have the peace of God in our lives, but now we have peace with God in our lives. The peace of God is this. Catch that one little word, with and of. The peace of God is this. It's when life is chaotic all around us. This is the peace of God. When when your friend is dying of cancer and You call them and talk to them and they just said, we have the peace of God with us. Have you ever been around those people that just sense the peace of God? It's like, man, how do they do it? That's not what the peace that Paul is talking about. He's not talking about that inner peace that we have that lets us be in the chaos and, and be calm in the chaos. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about in this passage is now you have peace with God. You were enemies of God. You were at conflict of God. But because of this gift that God gave to us, now you have peace with God. There is now no more conflict between you and God. Not because of you, but because of what God gave to us. The peace of God. And yet I wonder how many of us experience the peace of God this morning. And experience peace with God. So if we have peace with God, then we have blessings from God. That's what the passage says. But you have to experience peace with God before you experience the blessings of God. So what are the blessings that God has given to us? He says, therefore, we see three things. I'm going to spend all of next week on one of the three. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into his grace into which we stand. And we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. There are three things that we see in this passage. The blessing is we've been justified. That's the first one. Justification is the first blessing that we have from God because of his gift to us in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, the gift of Jesus Christ 
to us, we would have no justification. Right? Therefore, since you have been justified, since you have been given the gift of Christ, you have been justified. The word justified means this. Justification is this. To be declared right before God. That we all were in conflict with God. Remember, that's the problem. And because what Christ and the greatest gifts he gave to us were now justified before God. The, the first blessing that you have in Christ Jesus is your justification. That God, through Christ, declares you right. You see, without God's justification on your life, the gift that you would receive, and this is still a gift, is God's wrath on you. Like God's wrath is still a quality of God, which therefore it's got to be a gift of God. If it's part of him, the wrath of God would be poured out on you and me. But because of Christ, the gift that God gave to us in Christ Jesus, we are now justified before God the Father. Here's what's true about justification. Justification is a present state of mind. It's a past action. You are not being justified. Paul says in another epistle, you are justified. That's something that happened in the past. We're no longer, we no longer work for our justification. We cannot work for our justification. It's what God did for you. He gave you something through Christ. One of those things he gave you is your justification. Do we believe that? Do we hold that to be true? It's both a present state and a past action. This is what the great theologian R.C. Sproul says about justification. Our justification is not, about, not just about forgiveness or the imputation of righteous, the, the righteousness of God. It's not just escaping the judgment of the divine wrath of God, though it includes all of that. In our justification, we have peace. That surpasses what? All understanding. It's our justification. Through Christ, it gives us peace. You see, so many theologians would say this about the passage. This passage speaks so much to our security in what we have in Christ Jesus. We cannot work for it. We do not obtain it. It is freely given to us. My question to you this morning, my question to myself this morning is this. Have you been justified because of the greatest gift that God gave mankind, His Son Jesus, the Prince of Peace? The next thing we'll look at way more next week is hope. We have hope in Christ. I'm going to spend a whole sermon on hope next week. The last thing is this. He says it. In verse 2, through who? Him. Through Him, Jesus, we have what? Access to God. You and I, because of our justification, being declared right before God, because of the gift of Jesus, we now have access to God the Father. Like this debunks everything about Catholicism, this passage. Like We no longer need a priest to go on our behalf before God. We no longer need the priest to go into 
the Holy of Holies to make sacrifice for our sins. We, we no longer need to go into a confessional booth to have another man pray for us. Because why? Because of our justification being declared right before God, having the righteousness clothed on us of Jesus Christ, we now get to go into the access of God because of the greatest gift given to us. Do we understand that? You and I have free access at any moment of any day to the presence of God. Like We're not waiting to get into the presence of God. Let me say that again. You are not waiting today. This is not a waiting room for you to open the doors to go see the doctor when they call your number. That's called eternity. No, what Paul says this, you're not in a waiting room. You and I today in this moment have access to God. Do you and I get what it means to have access to the holy of holies today and what that does for us? It should change everything about us. The access of God. And yet my greatest fear for my own life, my greatest fear for you and my greatest fear for this church is we are waiting to get into the presence of God. But every day that we come in here, every day that we gather, every moment that you open your eyes, you and I have access to God. My greatest fear is we do not walk into His presence on a daily basis. He's not going to force us into His presence. He's not going to grab us by the collar and, and sling us in the house. He, through Christ Jesus, has given us access to God. Do we believe that? I think we believe it. My greatest fear is do we live like it? Because if we live like it, our prayer lives will look radically different. Because if we really believe that we had access to God, then we can take every supplication, every request, every praise to Him all day believing that He is going to do something about it. Not that He will do something about it, that He is going to do something about it. Think, think about your children for a moment. This is my prayer, at least, for your, your kids and mine. One of the greatest gifts that I am given is that 3 a.m. wake-up call. You know the drill. Daddy! How come Cedar calls my name? You think he just likes calling at 3 o'clock in the morning? You think he wants to wake me up? No. He knows that he calls my name. Who's coming to rescue him in that very moment? Me. I was telling one of my clients this this week. I've probably used this illustration before. You know one of the scariest, most frightening things they've learned about the orphanages in Romania and Russia? You know the scariest thing about it? It's how quiet it is. Doesn't it surprise you for a moment? You ever been around a baby? They're not quiet. They're going to call and call and call and call. 
But what they found to be so sad and so alarming about the orphanages in uh, Eastern Europe is it's so quiet. So they began to do a study of how come it's so quiet. And what they realized is this, that those babies would call and call and call and call and nobody came to them. And so what happened to the child? They went silent. And I wonder for us, church, have we become like those orphanages in that crib? That we've quit calling on the name of God. Because A, He hasn't come to us right when we wanted to Him, or B, He hadn't answered our request the way we wanted Him to. And so we've just stopped calling. We no longer believe we have access because God's no longer coming. But I guarantee this in my house. As long as Cedar and Tennyson live under my roof and they call my name, you know who's going to their door to get them? Me. They could be 28 years old. God forbid they're still in my house at 28. But if they're at college, 18, if they call me at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know who's going to answer? I am. And I just pray that my life is a reflection of those two children with my relationship with God. That I'll call them at 1 p.m. and I'll call them at 1 a.m. with the expectation and the hope that He will answer. And that's what gives me access to God. Because I have peace with God. It's my peace with God that allows me even to call on God. Without my peace with God, through Christ Jesus, I cannot call on God. But it's through Him, God's wisdom, God's goodness, God's sovereignty, that He gave me Christ Jesus. And having Christ Jesus, I am now justified. I have peace with God. I have access to the Father. And I have hope. My question to you, my question to me, this Christmas is first and foremost, do I have peace with God? Peace with God. Because if you do not have peace with God, the next will not come. You will not have hope. You will not have joy. And you will not experience the love of God if you do not have peace with God. Let me pray for us this morning. The great theologian St. Augustine said this, You made us for yourself, And our hearts find no peace until we rest in You. God, I pray that today, all of us in this room have experienced peace with You. God, I I pray that we have experienced and have justification through Christ and Christ alone through faith. God, if anyone here does not know You as their Lord and Savior, they do not have peace with You. I pray that today would be the day that they would make peace with You because You've made peace with them first and foremost. So God, I pray that You'd open their eyes, quicken their hearts to see they're in conflict with You. Because they're in conflict with You, they have no peace. But God, I pray through Your Holy Spirit, You would reveal that You sent Your Son the greatest gift to bring us peace with You. And through our peace with You, we have access to You. 
through our access to you that we have hope, we have joy, and we experience your love. I pray that would be true for all of us this morning. Continue to lead us and guide us. You are our great peace. You are, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Let us experience peace with you today. I pray this in Christ's mighty name. Amen.